You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Would you agree with me that throughout our life, um, as people come and go, there are always those certain friends that we never seem to forget. They may have only been in our life for just a short period of time, but we never forget them. Do you have friends like that? Yeah, you just they come, they go, they may be there for a short period, a medium period, or a long period, but you never seem to forget them. For me, that person, that friend, his name is Barry Irvin. Um, Barry Irvin, in fact, was my best friend. His father was my pastor as I was growing up as a teenager. Barry and I went to high school together, and then we actually went to college together. We went from South Carolina all the way to California to go to the same college. Um, Barry, I was the best man in Barry's wedding. Barry was the best man in my wedding. I mean, that's just how close we were. Barry was that kind of person that people were just drawn to. You just wanted to be around him. And it wasn't just me, but it was everybody you came in contact with. They wanted to be around Barry. Um, I think some of the reasons is that Barry was just really nice. He was just a nice guy. He was never going to treat you wrong, but he was always going to be there for you. The other thing is that he was really funny. I mean, he was just so funny. You knew that when you were around Barry, you were going to laugh, and you were going to laugh hard. And the, and the final thing is, he, he just had the cool factor down, and he didn't even try. He was just this really cool guy. And again, you just wanted to be around him because you knew you were going to feel better once you were around him. And even when you left, there was going to be a residual, or you were going to continue to feel good. Um, probably it could be said of Barry that he had a magnetic personality. And I'm sure that uh, you, like me, we've all known people who um, they would be deemed as people that people are drawn to. People just want to be around. Uh, They just have this magnetic personality that causes people to want to be with them. Um, Apart from being nice and funny and um, cool, uh, what would you say, and I actually like a little bit of response from you, what would you say would be some of the factors that you think that contribute to people who have that magnetic kind of personality that people are just drawn to? Any thoughts on that? Maybe two or three of you? Authentic. Authentic, Integrity. integrity, Compassionate. compassionate, What else? Honest. Honest. Those are all really, yeah, those are the kind of things, those are the kind of traits, the characteristics that cause you to be drawn to a person. I did a little research this weekend, and I just, uh, my research was, what are the traits of a person with a magnetic personality? And so I found an article, and it gave several traits, and so I want to give you some of them this morning. And many of them are the same that you said. They said that a person who is magnetic in their personality, people are drawn to, they're sincere, or they're authentic. You, you can really trust them. You can believe them. Um, they're very enthusiastic. They motivate others. Uh, they're well-versed. They're well-read. They listen well. They're highly creative. Um, they, uh, they have a good sense of humor. That's just some of the characteristics that they listed that would be significant in a person uh, who uh, people are drawn to. Um, as I was thinking about that, I thought, and then I, I, I did another quick survey, uh, and I just asked people via social media. I said, uh, can you give me the names of people, historical figures? Because obviously history is filled with the, uh, people, men and women, who could be deemed as being people who have a magnetic personality. For some reason, people are drawn to them. And so that was my question. Can you just give me the names of people who you believe had a magnetic personality, historical figures, people who were just drawn to them? And it's really interesting. I got about 50 responses in about 10 minutes. 
And there was just an incredible array of names that were given to me. It's interesting because many of them had people, were people who had very positive influence on our culture and others who were people who had not had as great of influence. So I'm going to stick to the good ones today. I want to give you some of the names of people that were submitted to me. Um, people like George Whitfield. George Whitfield was an evangelist in the UK. George Washington. Um, Gandhi. Ben Franklin. Ronald Reagan. Mother Teresa, Harriet Tubman, Billy Graham, Rosa Parks, Elvis Presley, Princess Diana, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Queen Victoria, Nelson Mandela. And these are just a few of the some 50 names I get. And I think we could all agree. Yeah, there was something about those people that caused other people to be attracted to them. Now, did you notice that there was one name, one person that was not included in the list? Who would who would that have been? Jesus. Yeah. And it's not because uh, actually many of the people who, who, who submitted names to me, they actually included his names. But I purposely chose not to include Jesus name in this list because there's something that sets Jesus apart. I didn't want Jesus to be simply categorized with a group of people. Uh, many of them have godly characteristics, but a group of people who are attracted for more so their their humanness. Uh, I, I want to separate it out because, let's face it, there's something different about Jesus Christ. The thing that attracts people to Jesus Christ is much different than the, what attracts people to Elvis Presley or Princess Diana, right? There's something completely different. What is it in Jesus? What is it about Jesus that causes people to be attracted to him? Because we can honestly say Jesus attracts people. When we read scripture, Jesus attracted people. Jesus particularly att- attracted people who were broken and needed a touch of his healing power in their life. Jesus was like, uh, his, his personality was very magnetic, but it was for a, a different reason altogether. Um, I, I think that Jesus attracted people, obviously, because of his ability to heal, because when you read the pages of the gospel, people saw his healing power and therefore they were drawn to it because of their own brokenness. But I think it goes beyond that. I think it's because of his message. There was a message that Jesus brought that no one else had ever brought. I believe that it was because of his heart. I believe that it was because of his compassion for people. I believe that it was because of his attitude. I believe that it was because Jesus brought a message of hope that no other could bring, and he could back it up. He could stand behind it. He was proof, living proof of that hope. You see, people were drawn to Jesus because they were drawn to God himself. They were drawn to the spirit of God that they saw at work in Jesus. That's why people were drawn to Jesus. I mean, think about it. All throughout Scripture, we see, especially in the Gospels, we see people who were drawn to Jesus, broken people, people like Mary Magdalene. She was broken and she was drawn to Jesus. People like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' problem wasn't that he was a wee little man. Think about it. His problem was that he had a spiritual issue. He was broken in his spirit. And so therefore he was drawn to Jesus. Think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus probably appeared that he had everything together on the outside, but there was something going on in the inside. And he saw Jesus out by night and he said, what do I need to do? He was drawn to Jesus. And Jesus explained being born again to him, what that meant. 
Um, people who were uh, possessed with demons were attracted to Jesus. People who were, uh, had leprosy were attracted to Jesus. They were broken. They were physically broken and they, they were attracted. They were drawn to Jesus because they knew that he could, he could touch them and he could heal them. Think about the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. She was broken. She had tried everything. She had exhausted all of her resources and she was drawn to Jesus and she didn't let anything stop her. There were no limitations. She made her way through the crowds. She didn't need to make a big spectacle of herself. She said, if I can just she was so drawn, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I have faith to believe that everything is going to be okay." Uh, uh, men and women who their children were sick and suffering were drawn to Jesus because they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. There were uh, uh, soldiers, centurion soldiers, who their, their children had died. And they were drawn to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you come? Because we know that you can bring back life. These are the kinds of people that were attracted to Jesus. People who were broken. And honestly, when we came to Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus right now, you probably came in a point of brokenness. It probably wasn't when everything was going, woohoo, it's all good. But it was in your deepest, darkest point or when you were felt lost, when you felt separated, when you knew that there was more to life. That was a point of brokenness and you were drawn to something and you were drawn to the Spirit of God because you knew that that message had much more to offer. One of my favorite passages of Scripture of broken people being drawn to Jesus is found in Mark chapter 2. And this morning, I want you to uh, follow along as I read in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 12 verses for you. It's just an incredible story. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, and then I want to go back and replay it for you. And the reason I want to replay it is I want to add some imagination into it. I think that it is highly beneficial when we're reading Scripture if we are willing to try to take ourselves there and imagine how it might have been. It doesn't require commentary, research, or anything. I mean, you can do that, but I'm just saying use your imagination. The only caution I would give you is in using your imagination to imagine what it might have been like. Don't ever write a book. Don't ever start a church. Don't ever build a doctrine on that imagination. You probably then want to go check it out and see if that might be right. Uh, So let me read it, and then I'm going to replay it, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat that the, par- lowered the, mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the, paraly- to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Again, what an incredible story. What an incredible story 
of men who were drawn to Jesus. And they were so drawn to him, they so knew that he had a message of hope and that he had healing, that they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend, their paralytic friend, to him. They were willing to go to extreme measures to make sure that their, their friend had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus so he could experience healing in his brokenness. And so here's what I imagine. The four friends are at the paralytic's home, and they said, Hey, I heard Jesus is in Capernaum. Why don't we take our friend? Because if we take him, he'll get healed. And in their mind, they saw themselves going to Capernaum where Jesus was, walking right up and saying, Jesus, here's our friend. You can obviously see what's wrong with him. Touch him and heal him. Except it didn't quite work out that way. When they arrived, they immediately knew this plan's not going to work because what they saw is a sea of people. There were people everywhere. Everybody was being drawn to Jesus because of the message of hope and his healing that he brought. In my imagination, I believe that one of those guys, at least one of those four men, was a leader. And as a leader, he stepped up and he began to lead. And he said this, in my imagination. Guys, see this crowd? It's not going to stop us. We're going to get our friend to Jesus. We are determined that he will have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And he will walk out of this place. We're not going to have to carry him out. Don't let that crowd fool you. It will not stop us. Men, you see that ladder going up on the top of that house, up the side of that house? We're going to climb up it. We're going to take our friend and we're going to go up on the roof and we're going to get to Jesus. I'm sure that the four guys were thinking, how is this going to work out? I mean, can you imagine four men trying to carry a man on a, on a stretcher up a roof? He said, don't worry about it. We'll make it happen. So they make their way over to the ladder and they begin to carefully maneuver their friend up the ladder. And when they get up on top of the roof, the guy who's the leader in my imagination says, oh, no, I thought there was a skylight up here. There's nothing. He said, that's not a problem. That's not a limitation in any way whatsoever. There's no skylight. Guess what? We'll make one. We'll dig one. Guys, you're going to need to do some digging. So get out your shovels. On the count of three, I want you to start digging. He says, one, two, three, dig, 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 dig. And you see those four men digging and digging. And they said, this is not going along very well. This is a little harder when they think. He said, dig, dig harder. They said, it's not working. He says, it looks like we're going to have to throw some dynamite in the hole. Throw the dynamite in. Everybody take cover. Boom. Suddenly, there's a skylight. In the roof, just above Jesus. And that skylight, in my imagination, happens to be just the same size as that mat that the paralytic's on. And in my imagination, the leader says, okay, get out your ropes. It's getting ready to get real. He's going to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus in just a couple of minutes. I want you to tie a rope to each corner. Once you get your ropes tied, let me know. All clear? Okay. Okay, men, it's time to start lowering him down. Careful. Lower. Lower. It's a little lower. Keep on going. Lower. Keep him level. Keep him level. Lower. Oh, you went too low. Come up. Just come up a little bit. And suddenly, the man on the mat, the paralytic, found himself face to face with Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus looked at him and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
You see, his real problem wasn't that he was a paralytic. His real brokenness was that he was lost. He had a spiritual brokenness. And immediately Jesus took care of that. But it caused a ruckus in the crowd. The teacher said, how, they began to think, how dare he? That he would think that he can forgive sins. Only God can do that. Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, addressed them. He was willing to address the elephant in the room. And he said, which is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, take up your mat. Go home. Walk out of here. He said, so that you might know that the Son of God has the power to forgive sin. I say to this man, get up. Take up your mat and walk out. And in that moment, that man did exactly what Jesus said. He got up off of that mat. He rolled it up or whatever he might do. And the same crowd of people that in order to get to Jesus, he had to go over. Now he split that crowd just like the splitting of the Red Sea. And I'm sure it was so quiet in the, in the whole place. And he walked right between them, right out the door. And it ended with this saying, they said they had never seen anything like it. The reason they had never seen anything like it because it was different than anything that anybody else was offering. They were experiencing the power of Jesus. That's what had drawn them there. And now they've seen it in action. This man, probably many of them knew him. They knew that he, was, he wasn't faking it. He hadn't been able to walk for, for maybe his entire life. And suddenly, he's whole in his brokenness. He's been healed, and he's walking out. When you and I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, everything changes instantaneously. At that moment, everything changes. We come into a new family. We have a new father. We begin to live our life in a new kingdom. We become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, at the very moment we accept Jesus, Jesus Christ takes resident in us. And if Jesus Christ, and because he takes residence in us, here's what we know. Scripture tells us that the very same power that God exerted in raising Jesus Christ from the dead, this is in Ephesians chapter 1, the very same power that God used in exerting Jesus Christ, raising him from the dead, it's the same power that is in us. So here's what that means. We have the God of the universe in us, Jesus Christ our Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we are being transformed into the image of father, the Father as we learn of Jesus and we follow his ways. And because of that, there should be something that's happening in us that causes people to be drawn to us. But actually, they're not drawn to us. They're drawn to the Jesus in us. They're drawn to the message that we bring. They're drawn to the hope that we bring through Jesus Christ. They're drawn to our attitude. They're drawn to our love. They're drawn to our compassion. They're not drawn to us. They are drawn to the Jesus that resides within us. And that is what makes the difference. These four men were mat carriers. They were roof breakers. These four men were drawn to Jesus they didn't let any limitation stop them. The crowd did not stop them. When they saw the crowd, they said, not a problem. They were willing to go to extreme measures. They were willing to carry 
They were willing to climb. They were willing to dig. They were willing to lower whatever it took so that their friend could have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus so that he could be healed. Listen, God has called us to the same. The Jesus in us wants to reach out to the people around us. What does that look like today? What does it look like to be a modern-day mat carrier roof breaker? I can tell you, please don't go this afternoon and try to saw a hole in somebody's roof. You will be in jail, I'm sure. So it has to look different than it does then, but it still, it still applies. So what does it look like? And as I began to think about this, I thought, I don't really know that I can define it. And I think I can't define it because it looks different for every one of us. It's based on our circumstances. It's based on our situations. It's based on our giftings, our skills, our ability. It's based on our willingness to cooperate with the Spirit of God to let the Jesus in us be seen by others. It's based on our willingness to take extreme measures to make sure that those who are drawn to us, the Jesus in us, can have a face-to-face encounter and find healing in their brokenness. So I really don't think I can define it. But I did think about this. Even though I can't define it, I can identify, even within our own church family, men and women who are currently being mat carriers and roof breakers. Here's what I want you to know. When I talk about it takes extreme measures, sometimes the most extreme measure is just that we're willing to do something that we wouldn't normally do. Um, And so I I, I think about, and and Jan, I think about you and Steve, and I think that you are modern-day mat carriers and roof breakers through Christian ministries. I really believe that you're, you're coming alongside people who are in need. And you're, you're meeting them. And I'm sure many of them are just so broken. And the Jesus in you is being able to be the Jesus that they see. And I know that there are several in our church, many probably, who are involved uh, with, with the pregnancy center. And just that you're willing to be involved. The willing, that you're willing to go to an extreme measure to be involved in their life. Uh, it, 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 they see the Jesus in you. And the greatest result is that, that women who are going to, to uh, abort a child suddenly because they're drawn to the Jesus and you say, no, I choose life. I think about Love Life Charlotte. Um, just the fact that you can go and be a mat carrier and a roof breaker by simply having a peaceful prayer march. Not a protest, but a peaceful prayer march. And the results have been that many women have decided not to uh, terminate their pregnancy. Recently, the Love Life Charlotte uh, extended all the way up to Raleigh, and on their first day there, their first prayer march, there were zero abortions at the clinic that day. That's the kind of influence. Those were mat carriers. Those were roof breakers. I can't tell you what it looks like because it's going to look different for every one of us, but what I can tell you is what it involves. And the first thing that it involves, what it begins with, it begins with the fact that we have to have an active, courageous faith. In verse 5, it's interesting because it says Jesus saw their faith. He didn't hear about their faith. He didn't hear that they were coming. He saw their faith in action. You see, those men could have sat at home and said, I heard Jesus is in town. Probably be a good idea if we took him over to see him because I think he could probably heal him. But, you know, the game comes on in just a little while. So ah, we're going to choose the game. No, they did something about it. They saw a need. They had extreme love for their friend. They were drawn to Jesus and they went and something happened. Something occurred. The same thing happens 
with you and I when we're willing to take those extreme measures. Um, This has caused me to ask a question of myself. Am I carrying mats? Am I breaking through roofs? You say, sure, you're a pastor. You have to be all the time. It's so easy to get caught up in the, the doing of ministry that you can forget about. It's about people. And I'm determined not to let that happen, but I have to know in myself, I've got to be willing to carry mats. I've got to be willing to go to extreme measures. Um, the, the greatest sign of a spiritually mature person is not a head full of knowledge. Instead, it's a heart that desperately loves people and desperately loves Jesus. And because of this love, will carry someone's mat with them on it. It means that not only are they willing to carry the mat with the person on it, but they'll climb, they'll dig, they'll lower, whatever it takes in our modern day culture, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And when we do it, we can be assured that they will have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and they can experience healing in their brokenness. Far things are more, few things are more meaningful than knowing that you've had a significant influence in someone's life just simply because you got involved. Just simply because you got involved. Here's a second thought about mat carriers as I begin to close up. Mat carriers and roof breakers do not play it safe. They are willing to take extreme measures. If you're looking for safety, don't attempt to pick up someone's mat, especially with them on it. Don't try to climb. Don't try to dig. Don't try to lower because it will take you out of your safe zone. It will require courageous action, courageous faith. Active faith that brings healing and hope to the broken requires willingness to take action. But when we do carry someone else's mat with them on it, they have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And it's not us that they're seeing, but it's the Jesus in us that they're drawn to. So I started thinking, uh, last couple of things I want to say. What are the hindrances? What is it that causes us from um, being mat carriers and roof breakers. And here are three things, not in your notes, but I'll give them to you. Uh, Number one, limited relationships. Number two, blind to opportunities. And number three, all talk, no action. So what's the remedy to that? How do we overcome it? Well, for limited relationships, you've got to expand your territory. You've got to develop new friendships. Oftentimes in church life, over the years, what I'll hear people say is, I just couldn't get connected. I just, so, so I just stopped going. Okay. It's my responsibility to reach out to you, or it's our responsibility to reach out to one another, but we also carry a personal responsibility. We can't put the uh, connection on somebody else. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take a step. You just gotta take a step. And so, we have provided an incredible way for you to make new relationships and friendships at Grace Covenant here at East Lincoln. Uh, in your bulletin, you have this uh, Grace Groups. Maybe last week you weren't here and you didn't have a chance to preview the groups, or maybe you did and you didn't sign up for a group. We have some great groups, and I promise you, if you're not part of a group, if you will just step out today in the lobby, there's a table by the, the group's board that has information about the groups. If you just take a step, and move towards joining a group, you will, be, you will automatically begin to develop new friendships. It may not happen your first week. You may have to go a while, but then you'll just feel like these are old friends. Um, uh, 
how do we remedy being blind to opportunities? Open up our eyes and look for opportunities to serve. They're all around us. Jan, are there opportunities to serve? He's <laughs> saying, yes. I mean, it doesn't have to be right here at, at, the, at the campus. We do have great opportunity for you to serve here, but it can be all throughout our community. I promise when you do that, then you put yourself out there and people begin to see the Jesus in you and they're drawn to you because they're drawn to the Jesus in you. And then to uh, all talk, no action, uh, the remedy is less words. Instead, take action. The first step is simply to make yourself available. The next is to show up. So I'm available and then you show up. Listen. I believe we have a great future as a church to be mat carriers and roof breakers. I believe we're already doing it well, but it's going to be exponential for us. And so my, uh, my encouragement to you today is ask the same question that I'm asking myself. Am I carrying mats? Am I breaking through roofs in my current situation? Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it reveals. Um, Lord, thank you for the challenge that it brings to us. Today we are challenged to ask the question about our own personal mat carrying and roof breaking. I pray that you would just cause us to grow in this, cause us to step out of our safe zones, cause us to take action, cause us to have a courageous faith. Father God, help us develop new relationships so that we can be connected with people and we can see the opportunities around us. Father God, help us do whatever it takes to take those extreme measures. Father God, I know it's what you called us to. And so today, I just speak on behalf of this group that we submit ourselves to that call. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.